1: Welcome to another edition of Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Uh, we're always glad to have you with us. Uh, this is a Friday show, so there are many ways you may be uh, uh, tuned in to us. Uh, you might be listening live uh, in the morning edition. You may be listening to our repeat on the radio at 2 in the afternoon. Maybe you are watching us at uh, 7 o'clock in the evening on the uh, GPB state uh, television network and, and I want to make just a quick comment about that because I haven't mentioned it before. Um, the TV version of the show uh, we all decided should run uh, throughout the legislative session. Uh, and so uh, once the legislative session ends, uh, political rewind is going to give way again to uh, uh, to, NP- to uh, PBS. Uh, news hour and other programming but we will be with you through the end of the legislative session on tv and of course we'll be with you on uh radio on the podcast online uh every day uh, throughout the year but i just thought it was time to make that clear to everybody out there okay let's get right to our panel today uh, patricia murphy political reporter and political columnist for the atlanta journal constitution you read her column on Wednesdays and Sundays in the newspaper, and uh, she also oversees the Jolt, the daily summary of uh, interesting and often important uh, news going on in politics. Hi, Patricia. Thanks for being here today.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. We're joined by Renee Alegria, the CEO of Mundo Hispanico Digital, um, Renee, I was looking at your website this morning again, and once again, not surprising, Ukraine dominates the homepage.
2: Oh, good morning, Bill. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's what the world is talking about and certainly what our community is interested in right now. Um,
1: and we're going to get to some news about uh, the way in which Georgia political uh, figures are dealing with Ukraine in just a few minutes. But before that, let's introduce Professor Andra Gillespie. You know that she's a professor of political science at Emory University. and the director of the James Weldon Johnson Institute for the Study of Race and Difference. How are you today, Andra? Andra, do we have you?
0: Hi, Bill. How are you? I'm fine. Yeah. Can you you hear me?
1: Absolutely. You're doing okay. We were having a little technical difficulty, but I'm hoping that we've got it resolved. How are you? How are you doing, Andra?
2: I'm doing fine.
1: I'm glad to hear that. All right. Let's get right to it. Um, Patricia, let me start with you. Um, We know that ever since Herschel Walker uh, decided he would run for the United States Senate, That there were many people who thought that the campaign he would run would be very, very low key, would need to be very, very low key uh, because there were uh, questions about how much he really knew about uh, uh, the uh, certainly the world political uh, landscape, really where he stood on a variety of issues that mattered to most voters and other things. And and to a certain extent, of course, he has kept his campaign very low key. But. Uh, this past week, we saw two examples of what happens when Herschel Walker essentially is caught on tape making statements that simply don't ring true. Have I got that right, uh, Patricia?
0: Uh, I would say, yes, you've got that right. We have not seen a whole lot of Herschel Walker in public events with open invitation lists. He does do quite a bit of campaigning, but he does that in closed Republican Party meetings. Um, He does that at churches. Now, some of those churches have 3,000 people in the audience. There are these huge mega churches that he's been getting in front of. Um, But even the setup of those churches is uh, quite friendly, um, as you would imagine, in a church. Uh, He's welcomed on the stage. It's an interview format, so he is not doing a speech. We've seen a lot of uh, instances where he is put in an interview format where somebody else is prompting him with questions. And so So um, it's a way for him to kind of ease into this situation and learn on the job. But the problem with learning on the job is that you're going to make some mistakes. And it's hard to know right now if these are mistakes, if this is really these are answers that he really wants to be giving. Uh, We don't see enough of him to know that. And I don't think he's doing enough of them to smooth this out in a way that other candidates may have already done. Well, let's
1: actually listen to one example of what you're talking about Uh, this past week. He did that kind of interview in a church setting um, with a, uh, a pastor in a conservative uh, Christian church, and um, in in that interview, uh, he decided to make some comments about evolution. Let's listen to what Herschel Walker said.
3: Here, that means somebody up there had to say, "Let there be light." That the Earth started, and then he had to put someone there on Earth. Remember, Adam was there. Remember, Adam came there. Then Eve came. So somebody had to start it out. So that means it had to be a God, because it didn't just uh, some bomb blew up and it started out. And then I I tell you something else I heard, and I think about this, because at one time science said man came from apes. Did it not? That's when you go to the science.
1: Every time I read or hear that, I think to myself, you just didn't read the same Bible I did.
3: Well, what this was interesting though. If that is true, why are there still apes? Think about it.
2: You know, now you're getting too smart for no, us. No, her no, no, no. Think
3: about this. We have an evolution that is, we've gotten so intelligent that if that is true, why are there still apes? And then the conception of a baby. Let me tell you, science can't do that. They're Come still on. trying to do it, Come but it can't because there had to be a God. So when God came and said, now, let me create.
1: So uh, Herschel Walker, uh, Renee, wants to know if evolution is real, why are there still Now, I get it, Rene. There are certainly uh, Christian denominations, particularly, that don't believe in evolution. They accept the biblical uh, word uh, on the way in which the world was created and the way man came to be. But, Renee, I have never heard a theory that suggests that if evolution exists, there wouldn't be apes anymore.
2: Well, I mean, what do you, what are you going to say? You know, it's 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 disappointing to hear someone who's the uh, front runner of the Republican primary right now speak like that. Someone who's going to you know run for statewide office and represent those who do believe in science, that do believe in in fact, um, you know, I I this is a man who in in twenty twenty claimed to have. Uh, special fda approved mist that you could spray yourself with to prevent covid so he's got a history of spouting such theories that are that are harmful um i agree with you that you know whatever you believe is what you believe but if you're if you're going to run for the senate well then you have to take into account um well the the rest of us and those who do do believe in science you know i i, I think that you know, when you match him up with with Warnock, um, whose slogan, you know, is is I see you, I feel you, I hear you, which just seems so reasonably uh, empathetic. Uh, it, it's it's hard to 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 see how how the differences can be taken seriously by folks who are reasonably minded.
1: Um- Patricia, what do you make and what do you conclude from first that soundbite? We're going to play another soundbite in a minute, which has a lot more to do with world affairs and in some ways probably is more relevant in terms of what Herschel Walker understands about the world right now. But but just to talk about that evolution soundbite, what does that lead you to think?
0: So it leads me to think that uh, Herschel Walker is a celebrity uh, who people like a lot. The answer in that room was not rejected. Uh, The pastor responding to him did sort of laugh it off and say, well, hold on. Now you're getting a little too smart for us. You know, but he hasn't been challenged um, and he has not been challenged uh, or even had follow up questions to say, I'm sorry, could you tell us what you mean by that? It also tells me that Georgians really have no idea who. Herschel Walker really is. They know that he was a wonderful athlete. He has an inspiring personal story. Um, but other than that, we don't know a whole lot about Herschel Walker. He has not lived in Georgia for 30 years, and he is not taking questions so that people can get to know better. Is this somebody I know? Is this somebody I agree with? Is this somebody who's even capable? of holding any office, let alone being a United States senator. I,
1: I just think, I think that you just said something about that that's particularly important. Again, I get it. There are people who don't believe in evolution. But the, you said it tells us how little people really know about what Herschel Walker believes in. Um, let me play the other sound. This comes from his appearance out in Carrollton. He went to speak to the Rotary Club out there. And, of course, he was asked, understandably, about the Russian invasion of Ukraine and in his remarks about that he made a comment about NATO. Let's listen.
3: What's going on in Ukraine is terrible. And NATO have to get I'm not sure why they're not getting involved. You know, you let somebody threaten you. Putin is threatening you if you don't if you get involved. He he's not as powerful as they think he is. He's not as powerful as they think he is or he wouldn't be doing what he's doing right now. So should we use our strength? I think uh if i was Biden, which i'm not because i'm younger <laughs> i would
1: really pressure nato to get involved so uh patricia nato is deeply involved and although republicans have been much more critical especially in the re- in recent days of how they think president biden has handled uh, the situation in ukraine early on he was winning praise across the aisles for the fact that he had done a good job engaging european leaders and nato in this uh, conflict. A- and it strikes me that in many ways, this is the more pertinent um, misunderstanding that, Her- that Herschel Walker expresses.
0: Right. Again, I don't know if there is a misunderstanding, a lack of understanding what he really meant when he was saying that. Do you mean we should have boots on the ground? If he were in real interview formats with people who need to know more about the answers he's giving We could find all of this out, but his campaign is choosing to keep him in friendly interview formats and in friendly crowds so that he doesn't get those kind of follow-up questions. Um, At a certain point, that's really going to be unacceptable. He's going to need to start answering real questions. Voters deserve that, and it will not get him far in a general election. I think that's where uh, other Republicans I talk to start to get really worried. They know they don't know a lot about Herschel Walker. They know that they don't know a lot about what he thinks or how he will perform in a real interview setting, in a real debate setting. And so that's where uh, the concern among Republicans, yes, he's got these sky-high numbers. That's the Herschel Walker people think they know, but What are they going to think about him when they know the Herschel Walker, who he really is? Maybe they'll like him. Maybe they won't. But that's a huge risk for Republicans right now.
1: Yeah. um, Renee, one of the things that I've thought about and said on the show a couple of times is that um, there is a risk to not being vetted by journalists uh, uh, in a primary campaign um, because. Uh, what ends up happening is if you don't answer questions when you're running in the primary, where, where we know Herschel Walker has a lead of anywhere from 60, 70 points and more over his opponents, um, then, then his views aren't going to get uh, uh, looked at as carefully. He's not going to have an opportunity to try to answer the questions Patricia's talking about. And, and if, it, if he has to wait till the general election, to be quizzed and fi- come up with answers to important questions uh, that can be very damaging uh, to the candidate. Yes,
2: no, incredibly damaging. I mean that that's that's what uh, wh- whether you uh, you know trust the media or not, and and sources uh, de- you know just depends on 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 what media you're you're watching, listening to, reading. Um, the the function of a solid democracy is having a, a, a strong uh, journalistic uh column from which to vet uh, candidates I mean you 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 it we make candidates better as we get to know who they are what they believe and as a result uh elect the right one I, okay I, yeah. and I think go ahead no and, and I and I think that unfortunately that's not happening um and it's it's really to the detriment of Oh, Herschel Walker's campaign. They think they're protecting him. But what's happening is that there's going to be, uh, you know, some egg on his face. And there there has been every time he's he's been caught with a hot mic. Um, I'm hoping
1: that, Andra, we've managed to successfully uh, get you back. And I apologize uh, to our listeners and also to you, because everybody loves to hear your analysis of the day's politics. Are you with us again, Andra? (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I don't hear Andrew Gillespie right now. So, uh, you know what? Let's do this. Um, I, we've got more to say, talk about with Herschel Walker. I want to talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene, who really made some comments that many people are very offended by, upset about uh, in the last couple of days. But let's do this. Let's see if we can sort out our technical difficulties. Take a break right now and come back with more on Political Rewind. <laughs> Welcome back to Political Rewind. Renee Allegria, Patricia Murphy are with us. We are still trying really hard to get uh, Andre Gillespie uh, uh, up and running so we can include her in the conversation today. But, Patricia, we were talking, of course, about Herschel Walker and some of the comments he made this week that have caused a lot of people to wonder exactly who he is. Uh, It's got to be particularly frustrating to his opponents Latham Sandler, Gary Black, Kelvin King, all working hard to try to win the Republican nomination. Gary Black, uh, one of the most popular elected officials statewide in Georgia as uh, in, in his work as agriculture commissioner, and yet – He comes the closest to Walker in polling. But by that, I mean he's in the high single digits. Walker's up there 60, 70 percent of the vote. But they're starting to fight harder. They're starting to attack him much more uh, openly now, aren't they, Patricia?
0: They really are. Uh, We saw these other three Republicans, um, with the exception of Gary Black, really reluctant to frame themselves only as – Attacking Herschel Walker. They really wanted to introduce themselves. They wanted to get their own policies out there. Uh, The reality is that Republican voters are just not listening. And so the only way they're finding that they can start to hope to slow Herschel Walker down right now is to attack him directly and say publicly what we've been hearing from them privately. Um, Kelvin King, who is an Air Force Academy graduate, very successful Black businessman, um, this week sent us an op-ed, and it said that a Republican nomination is not an autograph tour. This is not about being a celebrity and showing up and leaving. It's about having these debates and conversations. But Herschel Walker is not going to debate these other three candidates. He's not going to share the stage. He's not going to give them the extra publicity that they'll get or, and risk himself in a way when he is asked these hard questions. They don't really need to take that risk right now. And I'll tell you, in talking to Republican voters, there is a Teflon quality to Herschel Walker that reminds me a lot of Donald Trump. When I mm. talk to these voters, they feel like they've known him apart from politics for 30 years, they feel like they have known him, some of the younger ones, his their whole lives. And even younger voters do know who Herschel Walker is in the Republican um, primary electorate. And so it really, I'm finding, it doesn't matter what the AJC right now reports about him. We had a huge investigation on his past businesses, uh, full of bankruptcies, loans not repaid, uh, court actions, PPP loans, one of which has been repaid and one has not the businesses are smaller than advertised. Um, That just coming from the media, that just doesn't make a dent right now with this Republican electorate. So um, I don't know exactly what these other candidates are going to be able to do to catch him. They're going to need to raise more money, get themselves on television to introduce themselves in a statewide sort of broadcast way um, and hope that Herschel Walker makes a mistake. But he's been making mistakes. And again, those Georgia Republican voters who, listen, they love uh, Donald Trump, the United States of America, and the University of Georgia. Those are the flags <laughs> you see around the state. And Herschel Walker's in the middle of that vortex. They feel like they know him, and new information is not changing who they think they know right now.
1: Um- uh, Renee, here's just a little from the op-ed piece that uh, Patricia refers to that Kelvin King wrote for the AJC. Herschel Walker talks about working hard and fighting for the interests of Georgians, yet he works behind the scenes to ensure a level of celebrity comfort and elusiveness, separating himself from the questions and engagement that Georgians, demand. And then he goes on and he says, when Walker qualified last week, reporters swarmed to the typically evasive candidate, hungry to finally have an opportunity to ask him questions. The results were, as one might expect, puzzling. Speaking about himself in the third person, he gave mostly baffling responses to basic inquiries, but what did come across loud and clear was that he had zero intention of debating in the primary. And he goes on from there. This, by the way, speaks to what you and I discussed a few minutes ago. Getting vetted by the press early on is better than coming having to come much later in the campaign. But, but, but speak to this notion that um, he is the Teflon candidate, that there doesn't seem to be much opportunity for any of the other three unless something blows up in a very big way. Ah, uh, to catch him in this primary.
2: Well, I, can you um, just imagine how irritated the his opponents are right now with him raking in money? He continues to poll well, no matter what he says. He's the front runner. Um, you know, imagine. <laughs> I, I do think that you know we're living in an in a political era of celebrity, and and that celebrity is playing out like reality TV and who set the template for that reality TV type candidacy, but Donald Trump, uh, Walker's number one benefactor. Uh, What what is going to be interesting is to see how that endorsement of Trump uh, plays out. Will will it help? Will it not? Um, In the meantime, you know, we're going to watch Herschel Walker's campaign (laughs) You know, scuttle him around and hide him from here and there, and every time he does, uh, you know, say something that we're all privy to actually listen to, so that we have some type of peek into what he's thinking and what makes him tick. Uh, And and you know, up to this point, hearing him spew, you know, questionable, ignorant uh, rhetoric. So you know, I mean, it's it's part of the political process, right? From now until November, we've got a, a long way. Uh, we, we'll know a lot more about him, we hope, right? As, as uh, the weeks and months progress. But yeah, if you were his opponent right now, I mean, you'd just be wringing your, your, your hands and pulling out your hair with how in the world uh, they can actually put themselves out front so that they can introduce, as Patricia said, themselves to candidates so that they know exactly uh, what the foil is to to Herschel Walker's candidacy.
1: Okay, um, so let's move on. Uh, Patricia, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, uh, you know, I, I have to say, I always say it because we invariably get people who uh, are, are hearing the show who say, why do you talk about her? You're just giving her more attention. Um, and yet I think, the speech she gave this week is an example of why we do have to pay attention to Marjorie Taylor Greene, whether some people are, uh, think that somehow we're advancing her cause, making her more famous or not. And Patricia, of course, I'm referring to the fact that she gave a very odd speech. Um, and, and the reason I say it was odd is it was online. The title card that was put up before she spoke said something, I don't have the exact quote, but I'm close. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene addresses the nation. She was uh, sitting in a setting in which there were flags on both sides. It was a presidential style uh, setting for the speech. Um, But, of course, what she said was more important for us to talk about. She said the United States should not be involved in the conflict in Ukraine, which is why she's voting against sending more aid of any sort Uh, financial, military equipment, and the like, uh, to Ukraine. Um, She said that Ukraine cannot win the war. She said that um, the uh, uh, Ukrainians and the Russians were both committing war crimes. There were war crimes happening on both sides. Um, And then she had some of the harshest words we've heard yet from any Republican about President Biden. Let's listen.
3: Yet America's citizens are being expected to fund
0: and arm troops resisting an invasion halfway across the world. This is madness. It cannot be allowed. The truth is that under Biden, America is no longer in charge on the world stage. Our friends and enemies alike see this once great nation led by a weak, dementia-ridden fossil in the White House. Patricia? So I think that um, uh, as important as what Marjorie Taylor Greene was saying, it's also important to watch how she's voting. And uh, these are real votes. I mean, she doesn't sit on committees, but she does have a vote in the U.S. House. And so uh, this speech was given in tandem with her vote, which was against uh, taking away trade status with Russia, which is a part of Russian sanctions. Um, This is exactly what Vladimir Putin hopes that all of Congress would do. And uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's speech, uh, while she's criticizing Joe Biden for being weak, she is also calling on the united states to withdraw all support from ukraine which opens up an entire vulnerability for nato and all of western europe Uh, she is calling on doing uh, nothing to push back putin Um, and then her votes are uh, tracking exactly like that and then the people she's joining in these votes with is this very small, very strange cabal of, uh, frankly, uh, pro-Putin American members of Congress. And I say pro-Putin because they are taking the votes that a Vladimir Putin wants to see. And in that group are Thomas Massey, Marjorie Taylor Greene, obviously, Louis Gohmert, Matt Gates, just this far right wing of the Republican Party, um, they're important to watch because they do represent um, an important piece of the GOP primary electorate. These are people living um, in Georgia. These are people uh, voting for Marjorie Taylor Greene. And so to the extent that there is support for these views, it's very important to understand that that's happening. And it's important to know What she's saying and why it's appealing to some Americans. Um, So, but uh, the substance of what she said literally makes no sense. Um, Everything that she said are uh, repeating uh, a number of Kremlin talking points, saying that the earlier conflict in Ukraine was full of uh, breaches of peace agreements on both sides, which is totally inaccurate. It was characterized by Russia invading Ukraine, that was the (laughs) violation of the peace agreement. And this is not the only invasion of Ukraine that Russia has conducted. It just happens to be the most audaciously lethal. And so uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I really increasingly believe it's just a dangerous voice, not just in Georgia, but on the world stage.
1: Um, you, Renee, uh, certainly weigh into whatever extent you want on all of this. But it does strike me that Marjorie Taylor, there is an audience for what Marjorie Taylor Greene is saying. We know that. Um, But there's a way in which I can't help but think about Father Coughlin, Charles Lindbergh, who uh, uh, in the run-up to America's involvement in the Second World War, were adamantly opposed to, I mean, there were isolationists during the run-up to World War II in the United States, uh, but they didn't have the kind of megaphones that a Father Coughlin did, that a Charles Lindbergh did, and, and that a Marjorie Taylor Greene, to the extent that she has followers. I was looking at the uh, comments coming in as the speech was being given, um, and while there were people uh, watching on Facebook Live or wherever who were criticizing her, there were many people cheering her on, Renee.
2: Well, uh, social media algorithms, media in general, you know, are, are are today made to amplify outrage, right? And that's what I think she's stoking, is outrage, both uh, with her supporters and, of course, with her detractors. It is scary what she's saying. Uh, you know, I, this is a dangerous time we're living in. So many People out there think we're, you know, at the dawn of World War III. And, and if, and if uh, we, we don't do what we are supposed to do uh, through NATO, through sanctions, uh, we could very well be in, in a World War III. And what's interesting is, 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 you know, her, her talking points. Um, you know, Russian state TV is, is airing clips of her, Madison Cawthorn, Tucker Carlson, um, as though you know, they are what we Americans believe, uh, as though they are the sentiment that's ruling over uh, the, the world's largest media zone, which is the United States. Uh, and that's scary right there, to see that endorsement. Um, when, when, when pro-Russia state TV... Is holding you up as the you know media darling of the world. Well, then you know there's something really wrong with what you're saying. And you know you juxtapose all of her shenanigans with just the the heartbreaking images that we're seeing out of Ukraine every day. You know, you, 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 when when Zelensky uh, addressed Congress the other morning, I mean, his impassioned plea for help with that video that he uh, that he showed Congress, um, you know, I mean, y- y- how could you not feel for a country that really cherishes, truly cherishes their democracy, their freedom? What what so many like Taylor Green espouse about freedom? Um, well, it, it pales in comparison to what the Ukrainians hold so dear. And we need to all pay attention to that.
1: Yeah, Patricia, I, I don't think Marjorie Taylor Greene's speech is, is is really that far removed from the way Donald Trump approached the world as president. He certainly was backing us away from NATO uh, to, uh, to to we for all we know, had he won a second term, he may have left NATO entirely. We, we know that because um, uh, we watched the impeachment play out that uh, he refused to send uh, a military aid to Ukraine until – uh, Zelensky uh, promised to deliver goods on Hunter Biden's corruption in Ukraine. Um, so in some ways, it strikes me that her messaging plays right to much of the Trump base, which agrees with him. America first, stay out of entanglements in, uh, overseas.
0: Yeah. One of Donald Trump's first responses to the invasion of Ukraine and the United States sending aid to Ukraine was to say that the United States should pay more attention to its own southern border than to the borders of Ukraine. And that is exactly what Marjorie Taylor Greene said in her speech Mm -hmm. as well. And so um, there is also a lot of really in-depth detail in what she is talking about, talking about the Chinese currency versus the United States currency. She used a term uh, called she's the term petrodollars. Mm. Um, and it it, it spoke to me like a speech that had been written for her. I don't know that that's the case, but it's, it's the kind of terminology I've not heard her use before in this depth and um, connecting all of these dots in the very strange way that she did. So it certainly seems like there are a lot of sources informing her thinking on foreign policy. And Donald Trump is... Has must be a primary source or else they're using the same sources because they're making identical arguments. And so to the extent, again, that uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is here in Georgia, um, she's being embraced actively by statewide candidates, including David Perdue. Um, other people have, are happy to share a stage with Marjorie Taylor Greene, not only happy to share a stage, eager to share a stage because she does raise so much money. She gets so many eyeballs. And to the extent that we see her on YouTube, um, there are also now a number of proliferating right-wing social media outlets, including Getter, um, where uh, she has a huge following as well. So what she's saying on YouTube is not even necessarily the same thing that she's saying to her conservative audiences over on those platforms. So I think she's just incredibly important to be watching carefully and also watching who is embracing her and uh, helping her gain attention and traction for her views to a broader audience well, well outside of the 14th Congressional District. Uh,
1: just one more quick note, Patricia, before we move on. And I know I'm calling for speculation here. But within the 14th District, is there any reason to believe – that her position could, in fact, jeopardize her reelection, Or do you imagine – you've been up there. Uh, you were up there for a big Trump rally, uh, I believe, uh, before the, the runoff. I think it was the 14th. You'll correct me if I'm wrong. Um, is there any reason to believe that, that she's jeopardizing her re-election?
0: Well, there certainly – People and Republicans in particular unhappy with Marjorie Taylor Greene. She has um, at least three Republican opponents in her primary coming up. Um, But the uh, the trouble with having multiple opponents is that those candidates are going to split up the anti Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, contingent to the extent that there is one. Um, also, her district has been redrawn mm-hmm. to be slightly less conservative. It includes parts of West Cobb. We've talked to people in West Cobb who are not happy about being represented by Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, she also has a Democratic candidate uh, waiting for her in the primary. There are multiple Democrats. One of those Democrats has raised nearly $5 million for his challenge to her. Um, but with all of that said, she is still polling and, you know, she is still polling up well above 50 percent, 60, 70, 80 percent and that GOP primary. Um, and then it is still a conservative district. So I don't know that she's vulnerable at all. Yeah. Um, and the only way to know those kinds of answers is just to have a few elections and see how how strong or weak her ab- appeal continues yeah. to be there.
1: Absolutely. Um, all right, let's do this. Let's get our final break. And by the way, we have just not been able to connect with Andre Gillespie. And, and I know that disappoints a lot of you because Andre is always uh, one of the favorite uh, analysts on this show, and it disappoints us as well. We will get Andre back on the air as soon as we possibly can. Uh, next week and continue to have her on beyond that. All right. We've talked a lot about the Republicans so far. Uh, Interesting news about Stacey Abrams. want to talk about that in just a minute. But let's get our final break of the show out of the way and come back with more on today's Political Rewind. Rene Alegria, uh, most of us remember that four years ago when Stacey Abrams ran for government, uh, for governor, uh, she was facing some debt issues. Uh, she owed the IRS uh, some sixty-plus thousand dollars plus uh, She explained it by saying she had deferred her tax payments because she was trying to help her parents who were struggling at the time with issues. And although Republicans attacked her, Renee, she turned it around and said, look, I'm like you. I'm just an ordinary Georgian who faces some significant uh, financial issues, and uh, so I understand you, and I'm going to do my best to work on your behalf well. This past week, when she revealed her latest financial disclosure report, we find that Stacey Abrams is no longer <laughs> struggling financially, according to a piece that uh, Greg Bluestein and James Salzer, uh, wrote for the AJC the other day, he, they said this, Abrams now has a net worth of roughly $3.17 million, mostly tied up in real estate and investments. She's built a multi-million dollar business writing books appearing on the speaking circuit. According to her disclosure form, she's earned more than $6.5 million since the beginning of 2019. And although I want to talk about Abrams, let me just add a, a, an item to put it in context. We have subsequently learned in looking at Brian Kemp's financial disclosure reports that during his tenure as governor, his net worth has increased by some $3 million. But let's look at Stacey Abrams and the enormous success she's had uh, since the 2018 run.
2: Well, we've all seen her ascent uh, from from that run, uh, to, uh, of, of the governorship, uh, in, in, in stratos- to stratospheric levels. I, you know, I mean, she, she's a nationally recognized figure now that debt issue, uh, you know, it did make her relatable. Uh, she went into debt, uh, to help pay for family medical expenses. That, that, that is something that so many Americans can connect to. So many Georgians can connect to. And I, I do think that, that, Helped earn her a, a respect uh, as she as she ran against Kemp that first time, and you know, every everyone loves a, a success story, right? The underdog coming coming around and and finally winning. Well, she's doing that financially. Her her books have sold. She's an author. Uh, she she's you know she she's a, a renaissance woman. Uh, she 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 hustles. You know, she does what. What so many Americans out there have to do, having multiple jobs just to just to get ahead. Well, she's finally gotten ahead, and, and now the Republicans don't have that that talking point to criticize her. Um, we'll, we'll we'll see what they will, and you know, God knows that they will find many things to to criticize her about. But it's 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 just a feel good story to see someone who's worked so hard. Uh, to, to to win out financially.
1: Well, of course, um, Patricia, Republicans will say that what it suggests is that she hasn't been that concerned about Georgians at all since she lost in 2018. She's become a national figure. They claim Brian Kemp the other day talked about, or his campaign release statement about how she was running a shadow campaign for president during his time uh, in uh, in the governor's mansion. Um, So they'll see this as an example that she has concerns about being a national celebrity more than being uh, someone who cares about the the needs of Georgians.
0: Yes, you and I got the same talking points from the Republicans. Absolutely. (laughs) That's
1: exactly right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, it must be said, as you pointed out, Governor Kemp, uh, he made three million dollars. While he was governor in those three years, uh, David Perdue is now up to $50 million in net worth. I'm wondering how I missed all the memos about how are these people doing this? I would love to know. Yeah. never over the last three years, I was just working. This is working my day job. <laughs> but um, but it does push Stacey Abrams, uh, now that she is being painted by Republicans, as a rich and famous Hollywood celebrity Um, It really is pushing her to continue to work, to be relatable and to be somebody who Georgians feel like is one of them. And not somebody with a Netflix deal out in California. And so we saw the launch of her campaign this week, really the formal um, physical rollout. She announced it earlier, but uh, she went around to multiple cities around Georgia and really focused, interestingly, I thought, on medical debt, uh, the exact debt that she struggled with. Instead of saying, instead of acting like that never happened. She talks about medical debt at each and every event. Says that that medical debt that she experienced was driven by her father's cancer treatments, which anybody can relate to um, if they've had the unfortunate situation of being there. Um, and then also uh, discusses the fact that uh, it, you know, along with the Hollywood deals that she's had, she doesn't mention those. But in her speech, she talks about uh, using Fair Fight Action, the group that she started to pay off the medical debt of 68,000 Georgians. Um, Now there needs to be some more reporting on that. And we're working on reporting out the details of that. Um, But it is a way that she is still working to connect with Georgians and show uh, not only am I one of you, now that I've had this good fortune, I'm working to use that for you and I'll use that in the governor's office. And so I think it's a really interesting, um, really, and so far successful uh job that she's done and she goes into these very small towns like Cuthbert. goes to warner robbins which is a getting to be a, a bigger town mid-sized mid mid-size town small city um and so and she's accessible she is there at uh not in big fancy venues she's in front of the closed hospital um she's dressed uh, more casually and she is uh presenting herself as the stacy abrams you've known all along um, and not only that, but she's she will be that person as governor. I'll be one of you, but in the governor's office. And so she's messaging against that uh, fact that she's made a lot of money, um, but she's still working to be very relatable to the voters that she needs to attract.
1: Um, one quick uh, question, and I'm glad you said that your folks are looking into it. I know ours are, too. You mentioned that she says that she's paid off sixty eight thousand uh, uh, debt, uh, What does it say in the commercial? What does it show on the screen? Do you remember? Paid off the medical debts of 68,000 Georgians, right? And yet we don't really know exactly what that means, do we? I don't know, at least.
0: No, I don't know exactly what that means. And so I've reached out to the campaign and we're working on reporting out the details of just exactly what that means. What does that look like? Can we talk to some of them? Um, You know, that's the type of claim. I don't want to call it a claim. It's a type of uh, detail in a campaign that uh, that is going to get um, a lot of attention and they want it to get attention. Uh, It's the second piece of her website. It's right there. And so it's something that I know we'll continue to find more detail about um, as the as time Uh, goes on. Okay,
1: if we're going to talk about Stacey Abrams, let's talk about the fun little fact about Stacey Abrams Uh, and this really, really irritated Republicans. And I get why Uh, this week. We know that Stacey Abrams, uh, Patricia, is a Star Trek fanatic and has been for a long, long time. She's even said at times that in some ways watching Star Trek shaped her view of the world. Uh, And so we now have Stacey Abrams playing on an episode of Star Trek Discovery, the finale of the season's uh, uh, shows, uh, the president of United Earth stepping off (laughs) a spaceship I think the dress, the the clothes that she wear, the costume is fantastic. Uh, you if you're watching on TV, you'll see it right now. We'll put a link up to it on our social media. But Patricia, the President of United Earth, Stacey Abrams, and she has dialogue in this scene by the way, Patricia. <laughs>
0: Yes, she does. It's the <laughs> ultimate promotion for Stacey Abrams. <clears throat> you know, even if she even if she becomes governor of Georgia or doesn't, she'll always be the president of United Earth. So yes, and uh, yes, she has long been a Star Trekker. We're told it's not a not a Trekky a Star Trekker. A huge fan of Star Trek, and there are lots of people like her. I don't watch those except when my kids are watching them. Um, I
1: um, do. I do. <laughs> well, Renee. But
0: it's, go ahead.
1: <laughs> let me, let me, Renee. Look, uh, it's fun. Uh, no, I, but wait, wait. Let it, me it, just say, Republicans it, it, are it, having a field day with this. Uh, they already talk about the Hollywood elite, the liberal elites of Hollywood who support uh, Democrats and support Stacey Abrams. Now they've got this additional proof.
2: Sure, I, yeah. Well, they're going to find um, anything that she does uh, and, and turn it into you know a talking point for their own campaign. But but I I, I have to say that you know at star trek and as a as a trekker my entire life um you know growing up uh son of mexican immigrants where you feel like you just don't have a chance out there you watch star trek and there's this meritocracy of of uh you know the the kind of a picture of the universe that is that is blind to Racism and socioeconomic challenges, and you know, you, you see that a lot with uh, you know minorities in the United States. You, you saw it with Uhura in the original Star Trek, with Whoopi Goldberg, with uh, Next Generation. I can go on and on. By the way, so <laughs> uh, not, to, no, please to don't. To see to see, <laughs> to see, uh, to see uh, Stacey Abrams, you know, kind of carry that that torch uh, is 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 an honorable. Cool thing. So I, yes, you know. it is.
1: It's yeah. it's really it's if it's a fun little thing. You know, it reminds me, by the way, that a couple of years ago, uh, Kenny Leon, the uh, Tony Award-winning director, of course, makes his home in Atlanta, did a production of Much Ado About Nothing. In, uh, at the Public Theater in New York, one of the most important theater institutions in New York. And he set it in modern day Atlanta, a suburb of Atlanta. It was an all African-American cast and the set was a big, beautiful uh, 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 house. Uh, that the family lived in. And he had dressing the set Stacey Abrams 2020 banners (laughs) in two prominent places on the set. And although theater doesn't get the kind of attention Star Trek does, there were some complaints back then about Kenny adding those elements. He said, look, I was just trying to say uh, that this family would certainly have been supporters of Stacey Abrams. So, Patricia, the fact of the matter is – But like it or not, she is now a major celebrity.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, we can put on the pile. She was uh, recently a picture of her was on the wall in Billions on uh, Showtime or HBO Billions? showtime. Okay. Um, So she was on that as well. And the reality is that she is close with a lot of Hollywood celebrities. The Star Trek people reached out to her. She didn't ask for the job. They came to Stacey Abrams. Um, One of her largest donors for Fair Fight is a California millionaire. So it is part of this duality of Stacey Abrams um, that she is, especially over the last three years, has become I have described her as like the political Oprah. She is sort of a level of superstardom that we have just not seen here in Georgia before. Okay. Um, and so uh, as much as Republicans have their own celebrities, she is a bona fide celebrity on the democratic side as well, but still needs to do the work of staying yeah. relatable to voters. Absolutely.
1: Um, I, I want to uh, move to the end of the show by changing the, the tone entirely. Um, Ever since the Russian invasion of Ukraine began, um, it, it, I suddenly was struck, since this is the first time an army has invaded a European country since World War II, I couldn't help but think about the great Charlie Chaplin picture, The Great Dictator, which he released in 1940 before the United States entered the war. Um, he, but he was concerned about what he was watching in Europe. And so he released this picture in which he plays two parts. He plays a version of Adolf Hitler known as Adenoid Henkel and satirizes Hitler brutally. But he also plays the part of a Jewish barber who happens to look just like Henkel. And as we've watched the devastation in Ukraine, the horrible scenes of of cities being destroyed, people being killed, displaced... I couldn't help but think of the final speech in that movie. It is supposed to be Henkel who gets up in front of the, the army of soldiers. Thousands of them gather to hear him give a rallying cry for his uh, invasionary tactics. And yet, through a complication in the plot, it ends up being the Jewish barber who gives that speech. And I want to play for you just a little of that right now because I think it's so powerful given what we're dealing with. Here it is.
4: the misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress the hate of men will pass and dictators die and the power they took from the people will return to the people and so long as men die liberty will never perish
1: charlie chaplin the brilliant charlie chaplin uh... from the great dictator a a picture which he wrote directed course starred um... Renee, it, it really is heartrending to hear that right now, isn't it?
2: It, it really is, and, and you know, again, just to see the images coming out of Ukraine the way we we are, and 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 the unbelievable step that Putin has taken to invade a a European country, you know, I you talk to a lot of folks out there, and they just could not. They did not ever think that in their lifetime this would happen. And look what's happening, playing before our very eyes.
1: Patricia, um, Chaplin took a lot of courage for Chaplin to make that picture, and yet it became one of his biggest successes. It was, what, his second uh, uh, most popular film of 1940. But I'm curious, we have just a few seconds, but as you listen to that, I'm curious what it, it brought to your mind.
0: You know, I have always uh, consumed uh, information and drama like that as just a piece of history. And now it feels so relevant to today. It's really chilling.
1: Um, indeed. Um, Renee Allegria, Patricia Murphy, thank you so much for being with us today, today again. Again, our apologies to our audience out there that, that um, Andre Gillespie, we just couldn't make it work. We'll fix all that. Uh, We're done for today, um, but we'll be back again on Monday. Hope you all have a great weekend. And please, please take care and stay healthy. Bye, everybody.